Let's get started. Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 1, Episode 17, Living Life with Purpose. Let's get to the podcast. Let's get to the podcast. <laughs> I just recorded my welcome, and I thought I clicked stop recording. Sorry, tapped stop recording, and I did not. And so I was like, I guess I'll just say let's get to the podcast again. Ooh. Anyway, <clears throat> so in my family, I'm not the only child. I have siblings. I've already had my brother Blake on. He's my younger brother. And today I have my older brother Jeremy on. And I have more siblings after that. I'm actually the fourth child out of six total kids. So hopefully I'll get all of my siblings on and my parents and other family members that are near and dear to my heart. Because I want to have not just Smash-related content, but other things that I like to talk about. And with Jeremy, we get into living life with purpose, which is why I titled it that way. Especially when it comes to navigating young adult decisions, college, home ownership, and we also talk about our faith a little bit. So this is a great interview. Stick around, and we'll have some Smash-related stuff at the end. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and I am very happy to have on another member of my family. Today, I am joined by my older brother, Jeremy, and... He is a few years older, my senior. Jeremy, you don't have to be specific. It's all good. But thank you so much for joining me on my pod. Well, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I have been circling this day for a little while now because I had, I had brought up the possibility of asking you to come on because I've, I've asked everybody and... Of course, I also have been making moves on the side. This is actually the this going to be the seventeenth episode that I've made of my podcast already. So I'm I'm oh, feel wow. like I'm that's going awesome. at a mile a minute over here. <laughs> and yeah, and that's speaking... a lot because you you started only what last month? Yes. So it's been a, a little bit of a whirlwind, but I'm still, I still got a lot of energy for it. So maybe that's just the mode. Maybe I can settle down to once a week in the future. But right now, I'm really excited and excited to have you on. Let's talk a little bit about how we got to here. I'm in Lancaster, back in Pennsylvania, but you are out in Denver, Colorado. You just want to give a, a quick TLDR of how you got out there. Yes. So I live in colorful Colorado. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Meredith, we moved out here in 2016. Um, we had, we'd met a couple, um, on our honeymoon and they were from, uh, well, Parker, which is the town that we're living in now. Um, and just, I know it's a, we're at a resort, so we'd see them every day. And, um, you know, they were really cool and they're like, Oh, you guys should come out to Colorado and, you know, see the mountains and all the sites. We're like, yeah, maybe we'll see. And then I guess it was about 2015. We came out here for a long weekend and um, spent a few days in the mountains, saw some things in Denver. And like, as soon as I stepped off the plane, when we landed and I saw the mountains, I was like, I want to move out here. We should make this happen. And the more that weekend went on, the more we wanted to. So we just bided our time, waited for the right opportunity. And, um, yeah, 2016 rolled around, and we both found jobs out here and made the move. And it it worked out really well that, to your point, that the that the jobs that that in particular is of course one of the big concerns about moving halfway across the country because you and Meredith were n- not in Philadelphia, more like Conshohocken, so outside of the outside of the city, and then all of a sudden you're in Colorado, so. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the idea of home ownership first. This is one of the topics that I wanted to get into with you, especially because to me, it seems really daunting to go straight into owning a house because you didn't start by renting, right? Did you start off by buying a house in, in Colorado? 
No. So we, we rented the first year we were out here. So um, Meredith had flown out to Colorado uh, for her job interviews and um, took some extra time to look at apartments. And so, um, you know, during that trip, she found her first place, which is in a town, Lentry, which is actually just like 10 minutes west of where we live now. Um, we rented there for about a year. And then, um, you know, we had always wanted to buy a house in general. And we'd looked at buying a home quite a few times, actually, when we lived in Pennsylvania. Um, and nothing ever worked out to the point where we thought it made sense to buy it. So once we got here, Meredith is always looking at stuff like that. So um, we ended up moving to Castle Rock, which is where our first home is. Um, And that would have been 2017 is when we bought it. Um, And we had been looking. That was the first house that we had actually put an offer in on in Colorado. So we got pretty lucky in that. Uh, we were able to get it um, because when when we were making offers for the house that we're in now, I think we we had placed an offer on four other houses before we ended up getting this one. We were just outbid on on the previous four, um, but no, we we rented for a year out here first. I can't believe I forgot that, and the, and it makes sense because it's a little bit. I mean, it's still a commitment, but it's it's maybe you just you since you have the opportunity or the, or the ability to rent first, it's a little bit less of a commitment. And then you can start to get an idea of an entirely new state that you hadn't really spent a whole lot of time in leading up to this because you had to, you had mostly lived in Pennsylvania for your your life. So when you were, when you were renting, it was just sort of like a, a, a no rush deal where you, with the other four or so places that you looked at before landing in the house in Castle Rock, was there a lot of like urgency to try to find a, a natural home to own or, or were you trying to keep the mindset of take our time, wait for the right opportunity, what makes sense for what we want in a house and also from a financial perspective? Yeah, it was, um, it, it was much more deliberate. We liked the apartment that we were in and when we moved out here, so the way Denver is set up is most of the suburbs are um, south of the city. So we live in the south metro area. And um, so we knew we didn't want to live in Denver. And so if you want to live in the suburbs, you more or less have to move to the south. So our apartment was south of the city. And we kind of wanted to explore the different towns, different neighborhoods and say, okay, what has some of the things that we're looking for? What is close to downtown and the tech center, which is where a lot of um, corporations have their offices. Um, so we, we wanted to be within a good commuting distance to that. And we weren't sure where that would be. So renting made sense from the point of, okay, we can stay here. We signed a year long lease. Now we can take our time, we can explore. <clears throat> um, if we don't find a house, it's not the end of the world because we like our apartment. Um, it was in a great location. And so we just looked for a house that checked enough of the boxes. And the way the Denver market works is it's, it's pretty competitive. So the house that we bought, our, our first house in Castle Rock, I think they had an open house I believe Friday and Saturday. I think we put our offer in on Sunday and they reviewed offers Monday and ended up picking ours, um, which is pretty typical. I mean, houses go very, very quickly out here. Um, so knowing how fast you know, houses hit the market and then leave the market, we knew we had to have a checklist of items that we wanted in a home. Um, and areas where we wanted to live. And then once we saw a house that fit into that, then we would just have to put an offer in. From my own perspective, I think about the idea of going in for a mortgage, for a real house that is, that is all, all of your own, of course, you know, property tax, whatever. But 
to me, that seems really daunting from, from my own perspective. How did you, aside from, you know, writing down things that you want in a home, things that you don't want, how, how much of like having a list of deal breakers or things that are heavy emphasis, how much of those did you try to talk about between you and Meredith before starting to look for homes in earnest once you were renting out in Colorado? We talked about it a lot because buying a house is a, a, it's a very big commitment. It's a lot of money. So we, we did enough research to know um, about you know, what we could afford because there are mortgage calculators online that you can just Google and find. So, okay, here's what I want my monthly payment to be. And it'll tell you, here's how much house you can afford. Um, so we, we didn't want to spend much more than we were, um, when we were renting. So that's kind of, that was kind of our starting point. And we went from there and with the house, it was important to keep in mind that there's, there are certain things that you can flex on. So certain things that you may think are a big deal. Once you see a house, the rest of it might compensate for it. Um, so if you're. If, if, if you really, really, really want a house with like a big yard and you see a house that's otherwise perfect, but it has a small yard, you might say, well, the house itself is exactly what we want. The yard isn't great, but it's fine because the house has, you know, whatever, finished basement and, and this and that. So we talked about it a lot. We talked a lot about the, the financial aspect of it. And there was certainly a really big learning curve for both of us with it being our, our first home purchase. Um, but there's, there, there are many buying guides that you can read online um, and, and educate yourself about the process. Um, and for, for us, it was a little different too because we, we have access to um, a, a loan being backed by the Department of Veterans Affairs. So we get a VA home loan. So it's it's serviced a little different than maybe some other more common mortgages are. Um, so for, for us, for me, because I was in the Marines, I don't have to put a down payment down on a home to qualify for a loan. And usually when you do that, you have to put down, you, you have to pay monthly property mortgage insurance or PMI. So we knew going into it, we can, we can buy a house without having to save up for a down payment because I, I don't have to, and we also don't have to pay the PMI, which could add potentially a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, so, I, I mean, if anyone listening to this is, is looking for advice on, on home buying, I would just say do your research on what's available. Talk to a lending agent because you can talk to any bank about a mortgage um, the process will be very similar between every financial institution and what really differs are the closing costs and the cost of servicing the loan and what interest rate they'll be able to give you. But outside of that, the, the process is very, very similar. And how important to you was uh, the realtor uh, in this process for, for buying the first house? Was, did you have one going in for, for making an offer? Did you not have one? We did. I had um, talked about it with a few friends at work, and um, one of my coworkers had a realtor that she'd used for buying and selling a home. So we reached out to her, and she was great to work with. I mean, I, it's really important to trust a realtor because where they make their money is doing all the legal contracts for you and making sure that everything's above board. Um, in the home contract. And then also when you go through um, your home inspection and um, the appraisal, um, they'll be able to tell you if they think it's fair or not. Because before you put an offer in on a house, the realtor will look at comps in the area and will say these, you know, whatever it is, five homes sold in the last six months. They're similar square footage. They're in a similar neighborhood. Um, they have similar finishes, appliances, and there's, there's a whole list of things that they look at. And I'll say, well, if this whole home sold for, say, $500,000, do 
two months ago, then this home that we're looking at, a fair price would be around $500,000. Um, so, so they'll be able to guide you in the offer for what they think is fair, what they think is reasonable. And that also really depends on the market you live in. So in, in Denver, for us now, most, a, a lot of homes get over asking price because there's not enough home inventory out here. Um, but there, there are other places where houses will sit on the market for a year because there's not as many people moving in that area. Um, so it's, it's important to get a realtor that you trust. For our second home, um, we felt a little bit more comfortable with the process and what we were doing. So we sold through Redfin um, because their commission rate was cheaper. So um, whenever a home is bought or sold, the realtors, the selling realtor and the buying realtor will split the commission and whatever that is. So Redfin has a very low commission rate, um, which we didn't pay, but um, they also had a, a, a refund because we had sold with them. And that's where that really came into play because we didn't, we didn't want to have to pay um, any more than we had to to sell our first home. So we used Redfin to sell the home. And then um, they give you a refund that varies on a few different things. I'm, I'm not sure what those, those are, but if we bought through them within a year, um, they would kick money back to us. So that's for the second home. That's, that's why we sold through them with our first home, then bought the second home through them. Um, but the first home, it was a, um, you know, self-employed realtor and she was great to work with. And that, that was what I was going to ask about next. You didn't just buy the one house happily ever after within it was, is it, is it two years or was it three years uh, in between buying the first home and then now being in your second home? Is it how, how what's the timeline exactly? I believe it was three years. So we, we were in our home for a little over two years. Um, we, we decided that we wanted to move because we wanted more space in the house. So the first home didn't have a basement and the second floor was pretty much just bedrooms and a hallway. And then the downstairs was just one big room for the kitchen, the dining room and the living room. So we didn't really have like a good area to put a playroom. Um, so we said, let's, let's find a, a, a bigger house with a little bit more separation, perhaps a basement. Um, and we, we saw a house in Castle Rock that we really liked. So we, we listed our home um, with the intent on buying another one in Castle Rock. And um, we ended up losing out on the bid to buy that one, but we were already under contract to sell the home that we were in. Um, which was kind of a huge bummer, but ultimately it, it worked out. I mean, we, we love the home that we're in now. Um, but we knew that we wanted to move. So our thought was, well, instead of trying to finagle something to get out of this contract to sell, we'll just go through with the sale. We'll rent a cheap apartment and then we'll just keep looking for, you know, our, our forever home essentially. Um, which is what we did. And it took us, I think, Let's say about ten months to um, uh, find our find our new home and get into and it. So it was. This. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, so, so it was. I mean, it was it was stressful for sure because going from an apartment to a home is great because you have more space. It's your house. You can do what you want going from a home to an apartment is a bit of a bigger adjustment because all of a sudden you're in a shared space. You can hear neighbors through your walls. Um, and it's, and it just, it feels different. Um, and when we moved into the house, we didn't have a kid. When we moved out of the house into the apartment, um, we had, we had a little baby boy. And then in January of last year, 
we were pregnant again. So we're okay, we have one kid and then another kid on the way and we're in a, a temporary apartment. And we picked our apartment because it had the cheapest lease breakage fee. <laughs> it was not our favorite place, um, but it did the trick. And you're, you, you said it's stressful. You delivered it very, as a matter of factly, but I, I can't imagine because I have, so I have two kids also, Ellie, Ezra, and, and my wife, Jen. And so we're, we're in an apartment now, and that's what we've been doing since Jen and I got married in 2016. I have not yet purchased or, or, or owned my own home, and I can't imagine going, you know what? <laughs> we're under contract and we lost out on a bid for another house. We're under contract to sell the house that we're in now. And we lost out on the bid of the house that we wanted to buy and move into. And so now we need to go back into a smaller space that's not our own property or, or whatever. And, and like you said, neighbors just on the other side of the wall, all that stuff. I, I, I can't even imagine. But you and Meredith did that. That's, that was, I'm sure like you said, stressful and everything, but what, uh, maybe, how did you m make that work more or less between you and Meredith? Like, what was the, the motivating factor besides we will find our, our home, the home that we're going to spend a longer time in? Uh, what else was, was helping you and Meredith stay positive about being in that situation? We knew that it was temporary. Um, and so knowing that it was temporary, like the, the part that we didn't know was how long are we going to be here? Um, and I say that it was stressful. It's not like, you know, it, it was onerous by any means. I mean, it was still a nice apartment. And um, it's actually kind of funny. Weston lived in a closet. For a little bit, the it's it's a, it was a two bedroom apartment, and the guest bedroom had a very large closet. So we just put his um, his crib in there, and that was where he lived. And so looking back on it, it's funny. Um, at the time, it was not so much. Uh, Ezra, uh, my, yeah, Ezra, my son, he's he's sleeping in a closet right now in his pack and play. So I definitely <laughs> understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I can I can find humor in it right now because that's that's all he knows and what does he care? Maybe he'll be able to tell fun stories about it when he grows up. But anyway, uh, this <laughs> just to clarify for anyone who's listening and is getting mildly concerned, <laughs> he's doing just fine. <laughs> he's been doing it since he's since he was a baby, and he's one year old now, so you can back off. But anyway, yeah, it was the it was the quietest place in the apartment. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's part of it, and you know, with a white sound machine, it's perfect. So that leads you now to the the home that you're in and it's i've, I've seen some pictures it's it looks amazing it looks great so congratulations and oh, thanks is it like exactly how you describe it as now as a as a forever home do you think that like <laughs> with all this the stuff behind you now that you as of right now, are thinking, yeah, let's not do that moving stuff again as, 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 as much as we can help it. Yeah, I, I don't want to move out of this house until it's time to downsize. Um, so there's, uh, depending on what side of the tree you fall on, it, owning a, what's called a starter home. So your first home, and this is what Meredith and I did, we bought that house and we always knew that we were going to move within you know five years or so it, it was not a long-term um place that we wanted to live so we bought that and because the market in denver is is really good it appreciated a lot we knew that we would have to wait at least two years to sell to avoid capital gains tax so when you when you own a home you have a timer that starts from when you sign the um when you sign the mortgage, you're, and it's two years. And then after that two-year period passes, you don't have to pay capital gains tax. And that's an extra, I'm trying to remember the exact percentage. It's a, 
it might be 20% of the profit you make on that house if you sell it within two years. So it's the same, same sort of taxation for if you buy stock, if you sell it within two years, any amount of profit you make on that is subject to capital gains tax. So we knew that we would be there for at least two years, but we didn't know how much longer we'd be there after that. Um, and we did a ton of work to that house. We put all new floors in, we redid the kitchen, we repainted the entire inside, we repainted the entire outside. Um, new appliances, new light fixtures. Um, there, we, we put an office in on the landing going up to the second floor. Um, so we did, we did a ton of work to it, which really helped increase the value on it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I don't know. So that was good for that house. And then for this house, it's, it's much bigger. There was a, um, an unfinished basement in it that we've since um, spray painted. Well, I have a paint sprayer. It painted it white with the paint sprayer so we didn't have to roll it or use a brush or anything. Um, and then we had carpet installed. So it's, it functions now as the kids' playroom. Um, and that way we can have all their toys down there and they can hang out and have fun and be crazy and be kids. And then the first floor is just for... <laughs> not for their toys so it stays a little cleaner and at the end of the day they've made a horrendous mess downstairs i can shut the basement door and be like perfect it's clean up here don't have to think about it um so the house is probably about twice as big as our first home um it's got a fenced in backyard there's a a, a patio there's a tree house um the yard itself is fairly narrow, but there's enough room for kids to run around and have fun. Um, it's in a really nice neighborhood um, close to the tech center. So we wanted to be further north than we were when we were in Castle Rock. So now we live in Parker. So that's probably about 20 minutes or so further north. Um, there's playgrounds. There are trails they can run around on. Um, so it's, it's a good place to have the kids. And that was probably the most important consideration buying a second home is wherever we live, we have to be in a good family area. And that's not to say that Castle Rock isn't because it is, it's just, it's a better location overall. So um, yeah, we, I don't know, we're, we're incredibly blessed and fortunate to be in the exact location that we're in. The, to clarify, Castle Rock is about roughly 30 minutes, depending on traffic, away from downtown Denver. So when you say 20 minutes further north, maybe it's like about a 10-ish minute drive from downtown Denver? No, it's, well, from our, our house now, it's, it's probably 30 minutes to downtown Denver. You may drive a little faster than I do. Um, Castle Rock's probably from downtown at least 45 minutes. So it's not far, but it's not close. So just to, uh, <laughs> I was only out in Castle Rock the one time, my wife and I, before we had Ellie, our, our daughter, our firstborn, we drove out to visit you and Meredith at Castle Rock in mm -hmm. your first home. And I remember you were in the middle of a few projects, like you said, I think it was the new floor in the, on the first floor that you were mm -hmm. finishing up or wrapping up on that week. But uh, I, I, don't, I hope I wasn't driving so fast to save 15 minutes from a 45-minute <laughs> drive. I'd have to be flying down, but my memory doesn't serve me perfectly. But well, the I'd, speed limit out here in Colorado, is, it's much more generous than it is in Pennsylvania. So most of the highways here, the speed limit is 75. So I think you were safe. Yes, uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that. And the other thing that I really enjoyed about Colorado while Jen and I were out there I really loved the lack of humidity in the air. Mm -hmm. I, I probably said that at least once a day while we were out there. And by the time we left, you were probably a little excited because you're like, I'm not going to have to hear Jesse talk about the lack of humidity <laughs> in the air finally. No, it was but... sad to see you guys leave. It was funny when you guys came out because you were adamant about saying, I'll just, I'm just going to drive it all in one shot. And it's, I think, a 26-hour drive. Um, 
according to Google with zero stops or anything like that. So I was like, yeah, 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 like whatever. Um, like stop at a hotel or, or like on your way out because I don't think that you can do that. Um, and then about 26 hours later, you guys were knocking on the door and I was like, all right, I stand corrected. Here you are. Um, I would not be able to do that. There's no way. <laughs> I, would, I also feel like there's no way I would be able to do that again. So I think did it the one time to prove it. And then I think I'm retired from one, one single drive out to Castle Rock. That, that's probably enough for me. 1,700 miles for anyone who's curious. It's a long drive. It's a long drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also like with this house too, the interest rates right now are really, really good. Um, historically low. So our interest rate's 2.75. Um, and I was talking to mom and dad about it and they had friends when they bought their first home in the early 90s had like an 11% interest rate, I think, um, which is a ridiculous difference. Um, so it's, yeah, if, if anyone is looking for a house, it's, it's the perfect time to buy. Um, and then another tip would be when a bank runs your credit score, like actually process your, your application, um, you can have more than one bank do that and try and shop around for the best rate. Um, if you do that within a two-week period, it doesn't impact your credit score because it's viewed all as one. We didn't know that with this house, and we spread out um, our, our applications. So had a small hit to the credit report for that, but not... Nothing ridiculous, but I thought it was kind of stupid. You can also go to a mortgage broker. And if you're working with a realtor, they should be able to recommend one or two mortgage brokers that they've worked for in the past. And what that person does is kind of consolidates the process. So instead of you going to eight different banks trying to find the best rate, they'll say, I work with these, you know, whatever it is, 20 banks. Um, you do the application through them and then they're able to tell you what the best interest rate is. It's a great so. tip as I've, I've, like you said about renting then this apartment that we're in, they won't let us have access to high speed internet, even though the area in Lidditz that we're in has it, but they're the landlord is being a, is being an individual about it. So that is one of the reasons why I feel like, Maybe in the future, near future, I'll be moving. But it's so weird to me how that seemed to be like the last straw. There's just other things about this apartment that I'm like, yeah, I, I think I want to get out of here. But yeah. it's not just me. It's Jen. It's the two kids. So it mm -hmm. does feel. And there, there are, um, I was just to say, you know, there are ways to make you know, buying a house you know, much cheaper. So shopping around for the best mortgage you know is is definitely in your best interest but um i mean there are there are certain banks if you qualify for it they'll waive the pmi um you can always go through with the mortgage if you're not able to afford a down payment you can wait until your house is appreciated enough so that you have enough equity and market appreciation in the home and then you can refinance get rid of the PMI without having paid as much as if you were just followed out through the whole term. Um, and there's, um, you know, loan officers will be able to like talk to you more about that. Um, we lucked out with qualifying for the VA loan because we didn't have to put a down payment down. If we had to put a down payment down, um, I don't know that we would have bought our first house. Just because that's that's a lot of cash on hand that I don't have. So, um, yeah, that was that was a benefit of being in the military that I didn't even know existed until after I was already out. We take those. Oh, and by the way, you were talking a little bit about the credit score thing. Good tip. Another good tip. I I was not aware of this being the case. I thought that if you 
had your credit card statement come through with a really high balance and then pay it off right away, that that would be good for your credit score. As it turns out, that is not the case. You want your balance to be as close to zero as possible when it when it cycles through to the next statement. So <laughs> to those of you who thought that it was a good idea to spend uh, a really high amount of money and then say to yourselves, oh yeah, we're going to really beef up our credit score because look at this big high balance I'm about to pay off. Pay it off before you cycle through to your next statement. <laughs> Just trust me, that was a, a small mistake on my end, but I, I, it's, it's, it's gone back since, since I uh, corrected that. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you were talking about feeling uh, less than fortunate to have the, uh, the, the, the military background that uh, afforded you a few benefits, specifically avoiding PMI and not having to deal with deal with having a large down payment because of enough cash. I, I feel like part of that journey for you and Meredith was that you went to college. Both of you went to school. And mm -hmm. if I recall correctly, you were both over at the Fox School of Business at Temple University. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So do you want to talk a little bit about your time over at Temple and, and sort of how that it ended up really working out for you. So I'll just let you speak to that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Well, we were both fairly strategic in picking our majors. Um, so Meredith double majored in accounting and finance, and I double majored in accounting and legal studies. Um, at the time when we were, I guess, young, earlier in our college career, um, we both wanted to pursue accounting as a career and we both wanted to get our CPA license at the time. Um, to qualify for that, you have to have 150 credit hours and a typical four-year degree is 120 credit hours. So we, we knew that we were going double major. Meredith's much smarter than I am and applies herself harder. So she picked finance as her second major. Um, just because accounting and finance go hand in hand. I pick legal studies because I'm better at talking and writing papers. And I was like, I could do this one a little bit <laughs> easier and still hit the requirements for it. Um, so for both of us, college was always a means to an end. We wanted a career in either accounting or finance. Like I picked legal studies as a second major. No intention of going to law school ever. Um, so we, we, and we're both lucky to have people in our lives that we can go to for advice on what a good industry would be, what a good job would be, uh, when we were younger and well, we, we still have those people in our lives now. Um, but something that came up consistently when we would, we would talk to these people about it is, oh, Everybody always needs accountants. Um, so stability is, is very, very important for both of us. And so we said, okay, well, that sounds great. Um, and the more we studied accounting, there's, there's, different, there's a lot of different kinds of jobs you can do in accounting. You're not always working as an AP clerk or an AR clerk or whatever it is. Um, so for me, I focus more on auditing. I, my first job out of college was at a public accounting firm and I worked in the audit practice. So I know I, what I know through taxes comes from doing my taxes um, using TurboTax and then just uh, information that I've picked up along the way. Um, and when I first started auditing, it wasn't my, like it's not something I'm, I would say, oh, this is my passion. This is my life's work, but I find it very interesting and I enjoy it. And getting a job in public accounting for me was really good because it's, it, it, it's a good introduction to a lot of different industries and a lot of different companies in a very small amount of time. Um, public accounting has a reputation as being a bit of a meat grinder. There's a very high turnover rate just because you have busy season and during busy season 
um, they're very, very long days. Uh, average day is probably 12 hours. And then just, you have to tack on the commute on either side of that. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a tough place to work, but it's, it's very good in, um, well, it, it looks great on your resume cause it shows people, Hey, this guy's not afraid of hard work and he's good for it. And he's smart enough to work at, um, you know, at, at an accounting firm. Uh, but it's also great in showing you, like I said, different industries. So I was able to work for manufacturing or audit manufacturing companies, telecom companies, um, financial technology institutions, um, a whole a whole range of places, government contractors within a three year period. So at a pretty good idea of the kind of company that I wanted to work at when I left public accounting, um, which ended up being in 2016. So I, um, I, I no longer work at an accounting firm. Um, I work for Comcast now. So I started working for them in 2016 when we moved out here to Denver. So college was, was, was the starting point for that. Um, it's not something that either me or Meredith went to just for the sake of going to it. Um, you know, we, we'd thought about it before we even went to college. And then while we were at college taking our gen eds and going through, you know, your freshman, sophomore level business classes, like, okay, is this something I actually want to do? Does it still make sense? Does this seem like a good career path? Um, and you know, the answer every time we evaluated it was yes, this is still something that will provide stability. It's a good job. Um, so college for us was, was a way to, you know, it, advance ourselves professionally. Um, and I don't know, I, we, we both enjoyed college. I can't say that I loved Temple as a school. It's a good school and I had fun there, but, um, yeah, I'd only go to the football games cause they were free. So it's not it's not the school to necessarily get into football in Pennsylvania though. That's obviously PSU. Yeah. So, but I don't know. It, I I mean I I I really enjoyed my time there. I mean I had you know great roommates. Um, and Philadelphia is a, a fun place to be. Um, and I, I think it's probably gotten better since we've left. But I didn't. I didn't pick my school based on the, um, the 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 you know the on campus extracurriculars or the off campus extracurriculars. I said I, I want to go to a good, affordable school. Um, that's that's going to give me, you know, good chances leaving it. So and you know, Temple has a career development office. Um, there's a variety of. Uh, student organizations you can join. So Meredith and I were both in Beta Alpha Psi, which is an accounting um, organization for students. So they would bring in guest speakers every week and we could meet recruiters from all these different accounting firms or just other companies in the area. Um, I was really involved in the Student Veterans Association, um, which offered similar similar things, not, not as structured, not as organized. Um, so I was, you know, for saying I didn't pick a school based on the, the student life, I was actually fairly involved in it. Um, but again, I wasn't, I wasn't into it just because I thought it was fun. I, I picked those organizations where, okay, they can introduce me to people or they can help me in some other way. Um, and so I, I, I got my first internship um, through the Student Veterans Association. We had put on um, a panel with some recruiters from a few different companies. And one of the recruiters from PNC, was from PNC. And I ended up talking to this lady for probably 20 or 30 minutes after the, the panel had ended. Just things were wrapping up and um, you know, just went over and said, hey, thanks again for coming out. Really appreciate it. And just hit it off. And um, I 
I got my first internship directly because of that um, conversation. Um, also met someone in the IRS. It was a, a similar situation where I was able to intern. It was, it was an unpaid internship. Um, but when you're a student and you're, you know, particularly in the majors we're in, we're in accounting, just I need something to put on my resume to show that I, I have at least some experience or I can differentiate myself between just saying, oh, I went to school and I got good grades. Um, and I don't know how many other majors are like this for business. Um, internships are typically between the one I did was for, for PNC was between my junior and senior year. And the hope is you get the internship and you get a job offer out of it. And the internships that Meredith and I had between our junior and senior year, I was interning for PNC. She was interning for Prudential. We both ended up getting job offers and PNC is headquartered in Pittsburgh and Prudential is headquartered in Newark. So we went with her job offer because I had more experience to put on my resume and I'd been able to build a bigger network while I was in college. Um, so it was a bit of a gamble, but the thinking there was it would be probably a little easier for me to get a full-time job turning down my internship than it would be for her. And it, it worked out really well for us. Um, the year I graduated, one of the companies that was a, a mainstay on campus in terms of coming in and, and speaking to the students, I think they had, they had started a program for people between their freshman and their sophomore year. So that talent pipeline was getting extended. Um, so yeah, it's, it, there's, in, in school, it wasn't just about going to class and getting good grades. There was a, there was a lot more to it that was important for both me and Meredith because she was, she was pretty involved as well. Um, she was actually one of the leaders of Beta Alpha Sign. I forget her exact title. She might have been the vice president of it at the time. Um, but that was many years ago, so I don't recall. No biggie, though, vice president. That's, you know, it's really not, not that big of a deal. <laughs> Holy cow. That's awesome. It was exciting. I was excited for her. It was, it was fun for her. And so uh, I don't know how often I've told you this, or at least it's been a while, but uh, me, I'm younger, so I see you doing this stuff at Temple, and I don't know, you know, like the, the story every step of the way or all the details, but I noticed the purposefulness, the purposefulness behind going to Temple to get the degree, to go into that field, to do all the things necessary to make it happen. Because like you said, it's not just about good grades. People or companies that are looking to hire don't just want, don't just want that. They also want experience. There's also a certain amount of networking that has to happen. So it's not just, you know, getting good at what you're going to school for. It's also about the people aspect as well. So knowing all those things and then doing and succeeding in all of that, leading you and Meredith and your family to where you are today. I, I saw that blueprint and I, I, and I thought, well, I don't know from my, own, from my own perspective, from my own life of what I want outside of high school. I don't think I want anything that badly enough to be motivated to do all of those things, which is why I never ended up going to college. But I really liked... Mm -hmm really liked how you and Meredith went about it because you were very focused on getting from point A to point B while also understanding that there are a lot of things that have to happen. But if you feel like what you're doing is for the best as you go through evaluating, you know, not like every day, but just like you said, checking in every now and again, like, are we in a good spot now do we like where this is going is this working out and then you get to where you are now it doesn't happen by accident and i love all the like the you know it, it wasn't like everything worked out exactly like it was supposed to you know there were bumps along the way but you did ultimately overall i feel succeed in getting to to where you are today yeah well thank you that's very kind of you and 
it has been a lot of very purposeful um, movements for us, whether it was school or professionally or just our geographic location. Um, it's a lot of back and forth between Meredith. Um, you know, e even before we were married, um, when we started dating, and I don't think it took us too long into our relationship to um, realize that we were, we wanted to get married. I mean, we, we were engaged longer than we were dating. We were dating for almost exactly a year. And then we were engaged for around a year and a half or so. Yeah, about a year and a half. Um, but at every stage in our relationship, um, when we're dating, engaged, married, we've, we've made it a point to, to talk about where we want to be in life. Are we on track? If we're not on track, what do we have to do to get back to where we want to be? Um, and if we are on track, is there something that we can do to perhaps speed the process up or make this better? So, I mean, and home buying would be a, a really good example of that. I mean, like for, for us going from the first home to the second home, it was a really good experience on that first one because we could say, okay, well, we like this part of the house. Like we like that. Um, there's, there's enough room for everybody to have their own bedroom and then we have a guest room. So we're like, okay, so we need, we need at least four bedrooms in the house. Um, the first house had a crawl space. So it was maybe three or four feet high, depending on where in the crawl space you were. Um, we wanted a space where we could put the kids and have them hang out and have fun and be safe, but also be inside. Um, so we knew that we had to have a basement and whether it was finished or not, that wasn't going to be a deal breaker for us because we knew that we could, you know, we could, we could make it livable. Um, and we knew that there were a few towns that we wanted to be in. So we were able to, to really narrow it down so that when we saw a house that, that fit our criteria, we were ready to go with an offer. Um, and with careers, it was, it was very similar. When we moved out here, we, we weren't going to move unless one of us had a job. Um, our, our hope was that we would both have jobs before we moved out here. And um, I'm just lucky enough to, to land in that situation where um, I'd, I'd started interviewing with Comcast and then the person who had recruited me um, was like, hey, if you know anybody else who, who's looking for a job, let me know. And I was like, okay, well, my, my wife is. So um, it, it really worked out for us to both have a job out here when we moved. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's very important to have those conversations like with your spouse and you, know, you don't necessarily have to sit down and write out a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, but it's important that you both know what it is and that you're both working towards it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So how does faith come into all this and work with all of this? Because you and I both uh, have Christian faith. So we, you know, obviously uh, have slightly different lives or slightly different planes. But what I'm getting at is you have a lot of, uh, have a lot of ideas of where you are, where you were, where you are, where you're going, you and Meredith. And uh, as, as we all know, life is sort of that thing where it doesn't actually end up going always as, as planned and very true things can come out of nowhere things go sideways all that stuff and, and you know that you, you certainly know that better than I do but just to sort of paint that idea of how do you how do you justify like the idea that there is a greater power and control in all this like in in terms of what how how you want to go about living your life with Meredith and with your family um well I the most important part of my faith and I think probably for Meredith as well is just keeping God at the center of our, of our relationship and at the center of our family. And what I mean by that is really tr 
trusting in him to provide for us and uh, to really care for us. And it's, it's, it's not, I would say it's not always, it's, it's very easy to do that when things are going well. And I would say it's significantly harder to do that when things are not going well. Um, there, I think Meredith and I have been incredibly blessed in that for the most part, um, you know, God has, God has really looked out for us and been, and been incredibly gracious. I mean, we, you know, we, we're living in the state that we want to live in. We both have stable jobs. Um, this past year, 10 million other people in this country lost their jobs. Um, ours have arguably gotten better. Um, so we're, we're very, we're very blessed with that. And it's, it's important for us to, to remember, you know, this isn't something that we did. This is something that God has provided for us. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question. It does. I, I love what you just said about how it's not necessarily anything that you and Meredith have done or can do. A- acknowledging that it, in the end, it's, it's all under God's control. It's, it's something that goes against the human nature of wanting to control your own life. But, but, but finding comfort in that is, and it does end up being better than quote unquote, having full control. Um, and so to basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that to anyone listening, like it is a, a, a strange perspective that if you're not necessarily familiar with it, but it's, it is one that, that is, it, there are people like Jeremy and myself who, who try to live that way and it's a good thing. So I, I liked you sharing uh, your perspective because I like the idea and not that I necessarily roll it out at all times, but just when talking about faith, like making it real. And I think that you and Meredith are great examples of that. So thank you for sharing your perspective and thank you for talking about all the things that we've covered, homeownership and college experience, a little bit about faith. Uh, Thank you for coming on Jeremy and talking with me. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Happy to come back anytime you would like if this podcast was good enough. You don't have to answer that now. Um, so yeah, thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything you wanted to plug before we get you going? Um, your podcast. I'll plug that. This has been a lot of fun for me. So That's been thank really fun for, for me too. Me and yes, look forward to having you on again sometime in the future. One more time. Jeremy Wall, let's go. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Thank you one more time to Jeremy for coming on to my podcast. Can't wait to have him on again at some point. I need all the tips I can get, I can get with, with the potential of home ownership. But now let's talk about some Smash-related news real quickly. And today is a bit of a fun one. I got a shout-out from Alston Melee. This is not actually the first shout out I got last week in their podcast they they gave me a quick shout out on there which I was super appreciative of and if they did shout me out again in their podcast that they put out today I haven't listened to the whole thing yet but I will and maybe I got a shout out there but what I'm referring to specifically is at Alston Melee on Twitter you can find that they tweeted a quick little thing of me and the podcast page where you can see all the recent episodes I've done, and they're like, so this guy, Cypher, is putting out a lot of content, so please go check him out, all that fun stuff. So thank you, Austin Melee. When I saw that, I you know just got a jolt of energy and adrenaline and was like, okay, I'm ready to make three podcasts right now. So please please be careful. I mean, I, I retweeted it. I quote retweeted it and said, if, if they keep saying nice things about me, referring to Alston Melee, I'm going to start making two episodes a day for my podcast. <laughs> I don't think I mean it, but in the moment I did. 
I'm very appreciative to, to receive feedback from the community. And it's been great to have on guests that have been in the, involved in the community for so long. And even if it's not 10 plus years, even if it's been for five years or for three years, the, the point of all of that is that they're farther along than I am. And it's been great to hear their perspective and their stories. So I'm looking forward to more because tomorrow got an exciting one for you that I recorded tonight. So please be on the lookout for that. And I hope that y'all enjoy the rest of your day slash morning slash evening slash midnight snack. Be good. What does the cow say? Moo. Moo. Good job. What does the kitty cat say? Ow. Good job. What does the doggy say? Woof, woof, woof. Good job. Can you say linguistic specialist? Say. Good job. That was a good try. Can you say outside? Do you want to go outside? Okay. Okay. Can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.